Good evening, Patriots. And it is Wednesday, June 1st in the year 2022 on the West Coast. And you're already in June 2nd on the East Coast. And I don't know what you are in Australia or I don't know what you are in Japan, but we're happy to have you and it's all good. So um, before we begin, just make sure that you're keeping your immune system strong and keeping your body fit. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. And you won't be disappointed. I've used those products for over a year, and I use them every day, and they're fantastic. So check it out, Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. All right. Being that today was the launch of Rainbow Month, not in God's rainbow, oh, I just I just can't avoid not reading. This is what I consider to be the best. It wins the award for the best telegram post of the day. It comes from the account of Ghost Ezra, and it just reads this. Oh, joy, it's Sodomite Month again. Time flies. <laughs> All right, so anyway, I'm done with that. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a world we live in, I'm telling you right now. Uh, hey, here's, here's one that's interesting. I came across this. This was written in October 22nd of 2017. And it, this is the headline of this article. It's from The Intercept. The U.S. will invade West Africa in 2023 after an attack in New York, according to Pentagon War Game. In a simulated exercise at U.S. war colleges, military planners envision an invasion of Marutanina after a Lincoln Tunnel bombing. Huh. Not like anybody might be forecasting the future on this one. When the Pentagon appears into the crystal ball, the images reflected back are bleak. On May 23, 2023. Huh, we're getting a little bit past that date. In one imaging from the U.S. military terrorists, detonate massive truck bombs in both the New York and New Jersey ends of the Lincoln Tunnel. That's next year. The twin explosions occur in the southernmost of the three underground tubes at 7.10 a.m. This is pretty specific. The beginning of rush hour when the subterranean roadway is packed with commuters making their way to to work. The attack kills 435 people. Let me see what's that number. That's 12. 
Okay, seven, five. Okay, just checking because they always do some stupid stuff with numbers. And injures another 618. Okay, so that's 15 is that number. Eventually, we'll come to know that it could have been much worse. The plan was to drive the trucks to high-profile targets elsewhere in Manhattan. Somewhere, though, the bombs detonated early. The spectacular attack, which would result in the highest casualties on U.S. soil since 9-11, isn't hackneyed work of Hollywood screenwriter. It's actually one of the key plot points of a recent Pentagon war game played out by some of the military's most promising strategic thinkers. The 523, that's what they call it, 523 terror attack was a small but pivotal part of a simulated exercise conducted last year by students and faculty from U.S. Army's War College, which are the training grounds for the prospective generals and admirals. Huh, interesting. I'm sure that, I'm sure there's no forecasting on that. And then they end up invading, they end up invading Africa. So something to look forward to next year. You can look forward to a probably a tunnel bombing, which will be great. A tunnel bombing next year in New York City. Wonderful. But we also have some other stuff to look forward to, like blackouts and stuff coming up. That's on the docket, if you didn't know. Take a listen to this. Be prepared for blackouts this summer. Two-thirds of the U.S., face the prospect of blackouts, says North American Electric Reliability Corporation. The Wall Street Journal editorial board writes, The reason for these coming blackouts is clear. A mandated transition to clean energy. Welcome to the green energy transition. We've been warning for years that climate policies would make the grid more vulnerable to vacillations in supply and demand. And here we are. Some of the mainstream press are belatedly catching on that blackouts are coming. But they still don't grasp the real problem. The forced transition to green energy is distorting energy markets and destabilizing the grid. The Biden administration's policies are resulting in a hot dark summer for millions of Americans. With the summer heat just getting started, there is no relief in sight. Please share with everyone. Thank you. All these computer-generated voices people do these videos with, they're dumb. But the topic's real. Interestingly, Texas is in the middle of that potential blackout. Basically, everybody from the Mississippi to the West Coast is in a yellow zone, which means chance of, and then everybody kind of west of the east of the Mississippi up to about just on the edge of D.C. is all in a red zone. And then the East Coast is all fine. Isn't that interesting? Or well, back to the war of the North to the South again, except it's the war of the North against the rest of the country. Really crazy times, I'm telling you. So we know that today is the stealing of God's Rainbow Day. And I read some of this in the previous uh, show, which was Genesis 9 to 9. Genesis 9, 9 to 13. I want to read this again. Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, 
neither shall there be neither shall shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth god said this is the sign of the covenant which i am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all the successive generations i set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth hence the rainbow the luciferians have stolen that and if there's any doubt about that, pay attention to the alerts coming out with monkeypox right now. And one of the headlines that was very clear was that in spite of the fact that according to the WHO, I'm just going to say it that way, that this monkeypox thing started in the LGBTQ society, in particular with gay and bisexual men, and I don't need to fill in the blanks on that one, just like HIV, The WHO has encouraged the LGBTQ pride parades to continue all month to steal the rainbow. Now, I I just, I think as a, as followers of Christ, I think we have to make a very clear statement that that's just, is not acceptable. You don't get to steal God's rainbow and turn it into a perversion, a sexual perversion. Not happening. So, I'm going to read a little bit here. I There's a reaction. I get some reactions all the time with stuff. And it seems that there's a hardness. There's, there's a lot of this softness in, in faith that everyone, we're supposed to help everybody. And I really want to go through the corruption of mankind in Genesis 6 tonight. And I say all this because we have to remember that there is a time where... God draws the line and puts a sword to the earth. That's just the way it is. And when people are out running amok, and they've had plenty of time, and I'm going to be very clear about this, there has been an enormous amount of time through their lives, in particular with the emphasis on faith over the last few years, of people to really start turning to God. And it isn't, we are, we're in a place right now where the remnant really has to start strengthening its ranks. And that does not preclude building bridges, but what it does do is definitely put an emphasis on where our focus has to be. We can be lamps on a hill, but we cannot drag people to Christ. That is a choice they have to make. And the greatest example you can be is be one who walks in Christ. But I can't draw a person by the nose ring and pull him in. They put a nose ring on our bull with a chain the other day so that when he bumped into the electric fence, he got reminded that the fence was there and he wouldn't go through the electric fence anymore. That works. But that isn't something we're going to do with the public. Though maybe we should. That's a whole other topic. You can discuss that with your FEMA camp coordinator. But in all seriousness, I mean, we're, we're at a point where there's a lot of this discussion around you know building bridges and we want to help everybody go right ahead if you got that if you want to be out there trying to do all that go right ahead but there's an important point to remember that Christ didn't do that that's modern church stuff Christ presented the choice to people he presented the teachings for people to listen to and to choose and obviously there was a point when Christ made a point to flip tables and pull out a whip. He also 
challenged the Pharisees in the temple. And those are not to be forgotten. And the point I say to this is this soft squishiness of our faith is getting us tripped up. God did not ask people to hold the faith at the cost of everything. There has to be a line. And that line doesn't mean that you're in constantly trying to drag people in to be part of Christ. They have to choose. So let me start with Genesis 6. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And that would be the fallen angels, by the way. And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord also saw that he had many men, had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made, made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Those are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So I want to, this is, this is the sort of strange passage, and I want to hit on this because, and I don't, I'm going to give you my interpretation. You can take it or leave it, like I say many times. But I'm sharing with you how I read this. Because too often this is looked at the God-regretted man, and I don't think that's the case. I think what was really painful was the effect of man. God created man in his image, and he created a beautiful creation for us to be, to be ultimately be the inheritors. That's the inheritance. That goes back to the book of Enoch. And we have an inheritance. And when God brought us forward, I don't I truly think that the what was unexpected was the jealousy that broke out amongst his amongst the angels. And there's obviously a lot because that break of the fallen, they they followed Lucifer to the earth. They felt that man should not be in the favor of God. They felt that man should be told how to worship. And so they took hold of God's creation. And they defiled it. And that creates a lot of, in this, as I read this passage, that creates a lot of pain for God because all of a sudden the unity of his own people separate. Now the earth was corrupt. We're continuing at 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Now, 
we're going to go to Matthew in a minute. We're going to jump to Matthew 24, 37 to 39, which references the return of Christ. But start hearing this now as we read this, where we are today. Then God said to Noah, the end of all the flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, and you shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it, the length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. And you shall make a window for the ark, and finish it to a cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I am... Even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the, is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, one of the birds after their kind and of the animals after the kind and every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind who come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all flood, which is edible, some of all food, excuse me, which is edible and gather it to yourself and it shall be for the food of, for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him to do. So I want to just hit on a couple things here. Male and female. There are two genders, and there's no dispute about that. And so we start to look how far back in Scripture this perversion is going because it's taking us all the way back to the beginning. And it's intentional. There's an intentional reason that they've grabbed the rainbow flag. There's an intentional reason that we've got like 37 different genders or something stupid like that now. Because it's an absolute spitting in the face of God. It's a complete defilement of everything that God has put on this earth. This war is truly biblical. And we are now in a time when once again violence has arisen. And we know at that time that there was there were all sorts of perversions going on in the world. You had genetic alterations going on. You had mutations. You had all sorts of crazy chimeras. All of that was happening as it was as it is happening today. Matthew twenty four thirty seven to thirty nine. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. So will, so will the coming of man be. And this is kind of where I wanted to hit at tonight because there's a point. We have an obligation in walking with God to inform and to try to demonstrate to people, I believe, by the way we walk and live, what it is to live in the body of Christ, what it is to be that lamp on the hill. But it isn't us to drag them to water to force them to drink. 
The only people that force you to drink are usually people that work at Gitmo and put a water wet towel over your face and smother you in water called waterboarding. People are going to have to make a choice. And I think this is a very difficult place for many because there are many that believe we should be out trying to help everybody. There have been big decisions made by people at this point in time, big ones. And, I, and the circle in which you have, whatever your circle is, you can obviously, living and walking in, in that place, hopefully your light and your influence leads people to the right decision. But ultimately, it's each person's decision. That's the whole principle of our walk here. Free will. And it's unfortunate that there's so much hatred towards Christianity and there's so much hatred towards God, and there is. And there's so much hatred towards the church, some of that's earned. The fact is we can't fix it all. And the fact is that God is speaking equally to you and I as he is to everybody if people will listen. God is not being exclusive in his conversation to say that, I'm only going to talk to the Bard's nation. He's speaking to everyone. The question is, are we willing and are we humble enough to listen? And there are many who have been misled and misled astray. And this is why I say many times that in the process that we're in right now, we're going to have to go through a very difficult time of suffering. My personal opinion. And I don't see any way other than that. You can't get people to see clearly until they actually suffer the consequence of a decision that they've made or something they've supported. And I think that goes on with everybody for that matter because a lot of people are still clinging on to the worship of Trump as they're clinging on to others, clinging on to their idol, Joe Biden, though they call him an imperfect president. They want to see what they want to see because they're, they've determined that's how their life should be. And so they're essentially manifesting an outcome by choice. And I don't see that any different than those that were living in debauchery in the days of Noah. The question I think that is worth asking is, was God, was there a warning given to those who were living in violence and debauchery in the age of Noah? And I would say we'd probably find out many yeses. It's just that no one was listening. There was no one left. No one was the only one talking to God. We have a lot of that going on right now. And it's not going to be on each of us. To, to go out and fix it all. And so I stand pretty strongly on these positions, which don't always win favor with some. And I, uh, you're going to be surprised at this one. I don't care. Because there is a point where we have to start making hard decisions as people. One of the most powerful 
elements, and Christ demonstrates this, by the way, is silence. And so I say this because there's a point when we just have to let others be. You can't keep trying to pander to them. You know, this, this idea of where we go one, we go all cue stuff is quite a distortion. Because not everybody is willing or can make that choice. And we cannot force a person to go. That's the problem with where we go when we go all. Is there's this idea that, and just like that piece I read today, which is a complete op, you know, controlled opposition piece. I read that to you earlier in the previous show where it's literally leaving you with this kind of this idea. It's like, if you don't obey the idea of where we go one, where we go all, we shall punish you and you shall be left behind. That's not, I'm not going to follow that because that's not what God teaches. What we learn in our walk with Christ is we learn personal accountability and responsibility. And these are absolutely essential that if we don't hold true to our personal accountability and responsibility, and that also means our accountability to God, then we end up being this milk toast garbage. Just because, you know, and I, and I can walk this path and be very solid, and I will pray for somebody. I'll pray for even the people that are def- trying to defame God or defile God in their words. But I'm not going to have I really don't, and I'm going to be honest here, I don't have any empathy for the hand of justice that strikes. And in this walk, because there's this place of commitment to God, and if God comes back and rebukes me and says, you should have, I, I'm going to be honest. I, will, I would literally say, okay, explain this one to me because this is where I was at. I'm not just going to take it lying down. You see... I believe in the relationship with God of being honest, which also means at times, if there's a rebuke, I think it's necessary that we position ourselves, explain our position. God is living with us and through us. And if everything about our world is obedience, I'm really not so sure what our function is here. But the idea of obedience is inoculated into the church. I mean, it is literally sit in the pew, obey what I tell you, pray the way I tell you, do what you are supposed to do, and oh, by the way, you are forever a sinner. Throw 20 bucks in the plate and you'll be okay for today. That is kind of the whole model of the church. And that's not the way I walk. And I've told you this story, and it's and I think it's one that I, I'm very comfortable with sharing. I've had these conversations with God. It's like, this is who I am. This is how I talk. This is what I'm going to be. If that's not what you're liking, rebuke me. Otherwise, I move forward. And I'm not perfect. I've, I have literally said things on this channel, and, if, man, I've got to rebuke, like, minutes after I finish the show, and I'm the next show, I'm, I'm pulling back from that. But the fact is that we, we can be good examples for people. But the lure for many to be wrapped into the world of debauchery and to, and to living in this world, it is their religion. 
And that's something we have to embrace here. The religion of sexuality in this LGBT movement is everything to them. Their sexual identity is who they are. And it is, there's nothing that rec- aligns in Scripture. As much as they may want to argue that they're God's children and all that, it's like, fine, but your practices are, you are not, there's not more than one gender, there are two, two genders. There's not 50,000 genders under a, a flag, and it's there is no rainbow flag because the only rainbow is God's rainbow. And just from the biology of it, the sexual practices that they're that they're part of defile everything God represents. It takes us back to the days of Noah. And I'm not one about prophecy, you know that. I I mean I try to stay careful on it because I think that in these times right now, I think what's most important is that we stay clear and focused on our relationship with God and doing everything we can to expand the kingdom. That also means working with our communities that we can connect with and hopefully growing that to where that we become the light and the example. And the challenge that we're putting right now in this kind of sort of information war is that this very organized cabal is using sexuality and sexual identity as a divisive sword between us to try to keep us apart. But it's really not that. It's what it's doing is it's keeping the relationship with Christ and us from getting one side to listen to the other. Because the where the confusion comes in is that the cabal is built a religion of me. It's an ideology and a religion of me. What I want to do, what I desire, what my desires are, they are all that is important in this world. And in their world, it is more like God be damned. And forgive me, Lord, for saying those words, but please keep that in context. And that is not a world that we live in. It is... It is a world where, where we're living, we're putting God first in all things. And we're happy to share that world. In fact, we're happy to coexist with others because we don't, I don't need to know what goes on in somebody's bedroom. I just don't. It's not part of the details I'm even concerned about. But when you start making the world your stage and you start bringing that out into the world and you start wanting to make your debauchery part of everything that we are, that's when the line gets crossed. And we have to understand those red lines. And I'm definitely, I don't make any apologies for saying not going there, that there is a line that I cannot cross and that line I will absolutely not cross. So, we have to really get back to the understanding of consequence. And this is where I often refer to Old Testament because in Old Testament, there are some real clear consequences when you step out of line. Just read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah or the flood. 
I mean, look at Abraham, literally at the verge of sacrificing his son because he is so apologetic, if you want to use that term, to God. He's trying to reclaim his position with God. He's willing to do the ultimate act, which was not what God wanted because God intervened, but it was the practice of the time. But he was willing to go there. And see, that's the point, is how far are we willing to go for God? David went all the way for God because he stood there and said, you defiled my God, and he had no fear in front of the greatest enemy of all and knocked him, took him off his feet with a stone to his head and then cut his head off. That commitment that we have in this walk, this is where literally the wheat and the shaft are, are separated, Okay. And this is the difference between someone who says, I run, and someone who says, I'm a professional athlete. This is the difference between a person who says, I I like to shoot, and a person who is a high-level operator. The worlds are different, and the perspective on the world is different. And in that term, you have to become a meat-eater. That means you have to be, you have to literally start making hard decisions and discernments of really hard things because we're down now to the real narrowing of this fight. And we can't carry on with the burden of the many that are wandering. You want to do that, go ahead. But I'm going to tell you, it's a lost cause because right now what this world needs is a hardened, focused remnant It's going to stand to all this and not waver because it's that strength that brings people to Christ. That's the key. You could spend all day talking to your blue in the face and trying to bring people over to Christ. You could talk to them about the glory of his love. You could talk about all that he did. You could read scripture, and there's a whole bunch of people that will do nothing more than give you the middle finger and walk away. And a lot of them are out here. Or they'll just call you like, oh, you're one of those Jesus freaks. Okay, or you could walk in this world and be one of the members of Christ's army. And that's a focused walk. And it's who I am that speaks, not what I say. And that's a big difference. And that's truly that walk of living by absolute truth, absolute honesty, and it's unwavering. When, you, when we walk in such a level that we are walking in such that absolute truth, which is the pursuit of that Christ body, we're literally changing everything around us when we interact with it because there's no room in our world for lies or deception or deceit. We don't get wrapped up in the drama We are everything that we do, we commit to, and we accomplish everything we say, we commit, and we accomplish everything that we speak, we know is connected to God, and our commitment is ultimately to God. Think about that type of walking. Whether you do or not, ponder how profound that is when every single thing we are doing, we are truly speaking to God in terms of this is my accountability to you. I don't care whether it's making your bed, whether it's saying that you're going to start brushing your teeth before you go to bed instead of brushing them before dinner, whatever your practice is, whatever you commit to. And I'm I'm being intentionally a little bit minimalist 
and even a little bit ridiculous in some of these comments, but the point is that everything we do becomes a commitment to God. Nothing is separated. We don't like, well, I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to do that, but I've got some other deals I got to deal with that aren't really related to God. Everything is. And so there's, if we make a list, that list has to get done. And maybe the list doesn't get done on the timeline you want, but it has to get done. And those sorts of resolves that we walk and live in a world like this, we are then living in such purity and such unity with the body of Christ that we become truly that lamp on the hill. That's the walk of truth. It's the sword of the spirit of the most mighty way. And there's no better way to affect a world than to be what you say. And that's the power of the humble warrior. You know, there is a persona when you encounter people who have been in, in war, in, in martial arts, in, in whatever, these sorts of martial elements of life. You, there's a calmness to their spirit, but there's an intensity to their spirit. That's what we're talking about. It's just like, you know, when you're working at a super athlete model or level and you're competing with and you're working and training with people that are at Olympic caliber level. I mean, I'm telling you, it is, it's a level, having done it, it is a level of performance that is mind-boggling sometimes. What you have to overcome in terms of pain and physical limitations. and But it's incredible. And it separates you from the main body. Noah was one of those. Noah wasn't a perfect human being, but he had the favor in the ear of God and God trusted him and Noah didn't stop. It didn't matter what everyone else was doing. I'm sure there were times that Noah was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm doing this. But he didn't stop and he just kept building. And you know there's ridicule going on. And he also didn't, if you notice, there's something important because what we don't hear is like Noah's like, oh, well, you know what? Today, instead of doing the ark, I'm going to go worry about my neighbors who are having a big party right now. And I really want them to come to God and, and really have a good relationship with God. He understood in his walk and his process that the way that he was doing and being obedient to God was the change that had to happen. So do I waste a lot of time worrying, consternating about those that have taken the backs? or those that have decided to put a rainbow flag everywhere? No. Do I support it? No. Will I pray for them? Yes. If they ask questions, I'll engage. But it is up to them to make the choice to walk. It is not up to me to drag them to the spot. And if there's a consequence with that, that they made a choice in their life, and they've been exposed to, if they're in such a situation to be exposed to me as I walk in life and they see who I am and that isn't something they're interested in pursuing, I can't change that. And I'm sorry that their walk is going to lead them to the lake of fire. And if I find that that's, if there's a conversation that can open up and I can have that conversation, we'll have that conversation but I'm not going to go swing in a bat to try to wake them up. That is just not the way I walk in this world. And that's up to you to decide. I don't, I'm not saying that you have to, or you don't have to, 
But I will say that when I look and I walk, really pay attention to how Christ walked on this earth, he wasn't out trying to flail people to death to come into, to God. He was out to deliver his mission, his message, and to leave people with that message to understand that they had to accept him. If they would accept him, they could do greater works than he. But it's a choice again. And right now we have a whole big world that is wrapped up around fascism, around the hatred for anything that's white, hatred for Christianity, hatred for this or that. There's a level of this that we cannot engage in. It is, it is not going to be possible to tear it down. And that's why I revert back to this very focused remnant because that remnant becomes absolutely rock solid and it can never be changed. It will never rock. It will never bow. It will never be threatened by anything that other side does. And that is the process of change. When you, when a moving force hits an immovable object, which is the remnant, they change, not the, not the remnant. And that's exactly where we have to be. And that's where the solidness of our foundation in God has to get stronger every day. Deep, solid. And metaphorically, we are each building an ark. Metaphorically, together we are the ark. And that's what's amazing. And it's a wonderful place because with that, we release from ourselves an enormous amount of burden. We release the burden of having to worry about, well, what am I going to do about this person or that person? You know, I don't know. Because I can't, I think we can all be honest and nobody can see how this thing comes about. I can say honestly in my heart, and this is how I say it. Anytime I get in this conversation, I say it like this. From the eyes that I'm given on the world, I see no possible way that we can unify as a country again, nor do I, am I going to make an inordinate effort to try to make that happen because we are too different and we are too different walking in two separate decision paths. One is the wide gate, a choice of debauchery and freedom and me, and the other is the narrow gate, which is walking up towards God. And scripturally, we're told that the narrow gate's the hardest gate. It's the narrow gate. Few will find it, and the wide gate is the wide gate and the road to destruction. We're told that. It doesn't mean we don't take an opportunity that God puts before us to have a soul come across and join us. But on the many that are making that choice and defiantly making that choice, at this moment in time, there is a lot of anchoring that we have to do to make sure that we're solid. And in the end, the other part of that answer that I give when I'm said like, what, so you don't see the world that's going to be unified out. And I always say this outside of a God level event, we are not coming back together. And that God-level event could very likely be mass suffering. But I do believe that there has to be suffering in order for people to be equalized because you have to take away the arrogance in order for people to be humbled, to seek that which has been before them the entire time and to see and to hear that which God has tried to show them. And it's in those moments then, not now, but then, that the greatest opportunity for us is there. And that's why that remnant has to stay so strong. It's a profound walk, a difficult one. 
And it's a big difference between proselytizing and walking that powerful space of just unifying with the body of Christ in truth and becoming the light and the lamp on the hill for others to see, to witness, and to be drawn towards. Joel 3.14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And I think that's more than honest. So let me play this piece tonight as we kind of close out. It's a very interesting perspective on end of days. I don't mean to be a sensationalist, but are we here almost? If we are at the end, I'm going to show you why the World Economic Forum and Yuval Noah Harari are the ones that are going to bring the judgment of God. By now, you've probably seen this clip. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design. We know playing God is a bad idea, but this isn't the first time we've seen this. Right before the flood where God judged the world the first time, it says in the book of Enoch chapter 6 that the angels came to the earth, they chose themselves wives and had children with them. And they even genetically modified the plants and animals. And so God said to the son of Lamech, which was Noah, that the earth was going to perish from the waters of a deluge that would come over the whole earth and destroy everything on it. So it was this contaminating or hybridizing the genome that caused the destruction of the earth by the judgment of God. And this is exactly what the World Economic Forum and Noah Harari are talking about. Our intelligent design is going to be the new driving force of the evolution of life. And in using our new divine powers of creation, we might make mistakes on a cosmic scale. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. And check this out. When they asked Jesus when he was going to return to the earth in Matthew 24, he said it would be as in the days of Noah. Yeah, the days of Noah. In addition to wanting to design life, they also want to build their own intelligence with AI. Because AI is nowhere near its full potential. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So what if this beast is this new secular order that the World Economic Forum is talking about? Meaning that if you don't agree with them or you don't serve this digital dictatorship, maybe AI would determine that you were useless because you didn't fit into their world system or you didn't worship the beast. Those who fail in the struggle against irrelevance would constitute a new useless class. Useless from the viewpoint of the economic and political system. And this useless class will be separated by an ever-growing gap from the ever more powerful elite. Listen to what he says about how they'll know they'll be able to track biometrically if you're serving the great leader. And you have to wear this bracelet which constantly monitors what is happening inside your body and you walk into a room and you see the picture of the dear leader on the wall and the bracelet can know what is happening to your brain, to your blood pressure as you see this picture. So this this really what is meant by a digital dictatorship. I mean, it makes 1984 sound positive. Child's play. Child's play. And they get giddy over this. They really do. Look, God cannot have sin and imperfection around him. That was the whole principle of being reborn through the body of Christ is we are restored. But it's a process. And it's our continued walk and seeking in that that makes us 
closer and closer to him. There's a lot of lost souls out here. And they are consumed and wrapped around and have been lured into a dark trap. A sad one. Because it's a trap of debauchery and one laid by Lucifer in the most masterful of ways. He's the master of music and music takes on many forms including the words that rest pleasantly in people's hearts. These are hard decisions that people have to make at this point in time. Nothing will be easy. We will all be affected. Right now in this walk where I'm at, the walk that I pursue is that walk of a strong and fearless remnant to be part of that, knowing that there's going to be hard choices along the way. There's those that when you do that, like when you rise up into elite units, it's not that you're better than anybody else. It's that you, your mission changes and that your focus becomes more narrow. And I think that's an easier way of looking at this. It's not like you're leaving others behind because your example of what you become is greater than anything you could speak. And I think that honors God the greatest right there in seeking the perfection that he would want in us to allow others to witness the perfection that they've missed. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight humbled and honored as we walk in this time seeking that intimate and passionate love with you. We are surrounded by so many that are accepting average or worse, finding the perfection in what they are through the words and deception of Lucifer's hand. And we pray for those souls. We also know that in this moment we are at war, in the most acute of wars, and that those that are being led by Lucifer are equally the army that we now stand against. What we pray for, Lord, is the power of the sword of the Spirit and the power of truth. We pray for that ability to be such a presence in others that, and around others that we affect the beauty and the persistence of truth and destroy the ability for lies and deceit to take root. A world of truth is a world set free. And even though it's difficult, it's a walk that we pray for the many to choose. Guide us in this walk, Lord. This is of a level that we're now seeking higher than perhaps we've ever sought. A perfection that we've been told, in fact, we can't achieve, and yet Christ's own words remind us that we can. Lead us, guide us, open our eyes to the things that we need to do at each step ahead so that we can find that greater perfection that you placed within us 
to bring to this world. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We can achieve greatness. And from a sense of a world and of healing, a God-level event would be something like a remnant that rose up to be so aligned with Christ, so bright in their soul, that the change would literally be global and it would be profound for the many that were around and it would grow like wildfire. It would be unavoidable. It would be, in a term, an awakening, but an awakening that would be so deep and so profound, it would be nothing like words. It would be awakening of the Spirit and a uniting of the Spirit with Christ himself. I think that's a noble cause to pursue. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers, I think, are needed for truth. I think we need a lot of prayers for truth right now. To break down this power of deception. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we're here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. Walk fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
sunsets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Thank、you.